Hey everybody, welcome back to the Be Your Own Bank podcast. It's everybody's favorite time of the week, the weekly roundup. Welcome back everybody. We appreciate your support. And as always, please remember to like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, and you can listen to us wherever you find podcasts. We've got a lot to cover. This week, we want to talk to you again about the FTX saga, where it is now, and what's new that we know. We're going to give you that. Additionally, we want to talk to you about how do we risk manage and avoid further losses, especially in light of all the craziness with centralized exchanges. Additionally, we want to talk to you about how we build trust again for these centralized exchanges. What are some solutions? And finally, some good news on the Ripple case and where Ripple is going next. So without further ado, let's get into it. FTX update. After we found out that they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, there was this coincidental hack on their servers. What, what was that? Who was that? Well, we come to find out that it was the Bahamian government, the government of the Bahamas. They ordered FTX after filing for Chapter 11, they ordered them to transfer all funds to the government of the Bahamas. And what? Why is yeah, that? Yeah, what? So FTX's headquarters were in, are in the Bahamas. Yeah. So I would assume they claim jurisdiction over all of their business doings. And so what their securities commission said is they ordered the transfer to protect the interests of clients. Okay. So that seems like a good thing potentially, right? If, if they are our goodwill ambassadors to the financial system, hopefully then they are, that is the best interest to hold on to that as opposed to it being stolen by SBF. I like that a little bit better as a story. I like it a little bit better too. I think there's two parts to that. One is the funds were all turned into Ethereum and now the government of the Bahamas, I think it's kind of funny, also a little bad, but the government of the Bahamas is the 30th largest holder of Ethereum. But that being said, if you look on the blockchain, all of that Ethereum is labeled as heist money. Right, because it's transparent. It's transparent. So no matter where they offload that, unless it's in some niche economy, nobody's going to buy it. If it hits a centralized exchange, it's going to be frozen immediately. Well, the minute it moves, somebody's going to know about it. It's going to it. be tracked. Yeah, their algorithm's already pre-tracking it, I'm sure, that the second it moves, someone's going to know where it's going. So part A. Better that than in SBF's. Right. But category. the other thing too is the Bahamas are a, a, a nation that is part of a global economy. So they're they're going to want to play their cards right. They're not going to just want to try to steal all these funds or use it for their own needs because A, they're not usable right now. And B, the other good news is they did file for chapter 15 bankruptcy um, in New York, the Bahamas did, for FTX. That is basically a way of dealing with creditors in a global market. So FTX affected many different countries. So this chapter 15 bankruptcy, I would take as a good step forward for going through a legit process to deal with this situation. Well, and it could be noted too that the fact that it is kind of locked up in this bohemian fund, right? Yeah. yeah. That it's not going to be able to be sold. No, probably so not. So it won't affect the market. Whereas if it was in SBF's control, 
they could just flood the market with Ethereum. Yep. Which would be bad again. That would be bad again. Um, additionally, I think it's important to note that we had talked about how CZ, the CEO of Binance, we had talked that he may have conspired to take down FTX. Well, he came out and said, there was no war between us. Um, Sam had asked me for money. You know, he, he looked at their books, realized that there were a lot of red flags and he's like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere near this. And originally that $500 million dump, that was just a risk management option for him. And he was basically saying, we've made tweets. We've, we've done a lot of other things that affect other exchanges, but if they are doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's not going to put them under. So this was inevitable. He said, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. It isn't on us. Okay, fine. But still, Binance is China, right? Mm -hmm. And FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, is the U.S. It's not, though. I mean, he's still global. (sighs) FTX International is number one. FTX U.S. So I'm sure there was nothing shady about any of that. Right. Well, it had to come out because this could have gotten a lot worse. Yeah, that's true. So let's nip it in the bud now, regrow the community and put in some fail safe. So that leads to the next point is how, how do we prevent this from happening again? How can we ever trust these exchanges again? We have seen one of the largest outflows, me included, of funds <laughs> from exchanges, yeah. over a million Ethereum, um, several tens of thousands of dollars of the Bitcoin, Um, Glassnode said this is historic amounts of outflows from exchanges because people don't trust centralized exchanges. So the onus now is on them, on these exchanges, Coinbase, Kraken, Binance, Crypto.com, to prove that they have our money so that this doesn't happen again. So what are the solutions? One, like we've talked about, take your money out of the exchanges, put them into self-custody, Exodus, Coinami, Trust Wallet cold storage, whatever you feel comfortable with. But the exchanges right now are not your friend. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So the question then is, can we ever get back to that level of trust? And I would argue yes. And one of the reasons is because of new technologies that are being built on blockchain. One of them is called a ZK snark. A what? ZK snark. Zoics. Zoics, Scoob. So what that stands for, and we won't get into the nitty nitty gritties of it, but what it stands for is a zero knowledge, succinct, non-interactive argument of knowledge. Of course. Of course. ZK snarks for short. So what does that mean? Well, what it allows for is is for someone to prove that they have knowledge without telling you what that knowledge is. Yeah. Right? So I can prove that I know a password without telling you the password because I can get into the application. Okay. Okay, that's one one idea. Zero, zero knowledge proof was originally what it was called. Now we're moving on to ZK Snark. So let's let's bring it down to an elementary level. What does this look like? So there's this thing called the Alibaba Cave. Okay. which was an analogy that was that came out in the 1980s when they came up with zero-knowledge proofs, now zero-knowledge snarks. Yeah. Um, so basically the idea is you have a circular cave. There's two entrances, one to one side of the cave, one to the other. And in the middle of this cave, 
there is a magic door. And the only way through that door is a password. So you have one person go into the one side of the cave, go through the door, the magic door with the password, and come out of the cave. Okay, so you have side A of the cave and yep. side B of the cave. Yep. You have to choose one, mm -hmm. choose one direction, and then you get halfway through the cave, you get to a magic door, whatever. It can be a regular door too, right? You got to get through that door in order to go out the other go side out the of other the side. cave. And so the idea of zero knowledge proof is person A, we'll call him Johnny. Johnny is proving to another person outside the cave, call him Jane. Johnny and Jane. Johnny and Jane. So Johnny goes through the cave, puts in the password, comes out the other side of the cave. Jenny now knows without hearing the password. Who's Jenny? Who? You said Jane. Who's Jenny? Well, Jenny came through. Jenny is one of Jane's friends, obviously. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Jenny and Jane. Well, I mean, you know, women stick together. They do. Well, and we don't know where, what Johnny's motives are. We don't. And now we have two people that can cross verify. Yes. So Johnny goes in. Jenny and Jane are outside. Johnny goes through. <laughs> Anyways, he goes through, thus proving that he knew the password because he was able to come out the other side. Right. Input, output. If he didn't have the password, then he wouldn't get through the magic door. He wouldn't get through the magic so door. We and he would know that that was not proved. We would know that he did not know the knowledge. Right. So now, <laughs> now we can prove without him actually explicitly saying the knowledge that he has it. Okay. Very rudimentary way of explaining a very complex concept that can be employed, implemented to prove ownership of assets. So let's take it to the crypto world. Let's say you have a Bitcoin on Coinbase. How can they prove to you that they have that Bitcoin? Well, without any of this technology, ZK snarks, ZK rollups, Merkle trees, all these algorithmic proving it's math math it's, it's, it's nerdy math. math it's nerdy math without this nerdy math how does coinbase prove that they have your bitcoin well the only way they can do it with without trust is to give you that bitcoin okay but the idea is you want to keep it in there so how can you how can you know that they have it that they have this knowledge without them sending it to you so you need a consistent proof without a third party without right because that's party. where we run into the issues yep. with the third party yep the third party is saying, oh, yeah, we got you. Don't worry about it. But they can't show you their real numbers because that's a security issue. That's yeah, so the there's, argument. there's privacy involved. And there's also you have to trust this entity, which is Coinbase or Kraken right. or Binance, whatever. So how can, you, how can you assure that you have all of those assets in there without having to trust them? Trustless, right? So blockchain is trustless money. These ZK snarks is trustless information. Right? How do I know that this information is true without being told it or shown it? Right? Right. So the idea is proof of reserves. Kraken is doing it right now. Vitalik, creator of co-creator of Ethereum, is creating these new strategies and trying to work with some of these exchanges to implement them so that we as consumers can rest assured that our assets are stored one-to-one. -one and that they can't do anything else with it besides just store it. Right. They want to be the custodian as opposed to the money manager, right? It's like if mm -hmm. you are investing in a fund on the stock market, that means that you have money managers who are making moves to make you money. Whereas with this, 
We just want to verify that our original assets are still where they belong and that they haven't been rehypothecated or derivatives being played on multiple markets, leverage, all this stuff. We don't want that. We just want to know that our original assets are still where they're supposed to be because that's what my account says. So there should be something to back that up and we can't trust third parties anymore. And we should be able to track, we should be able to check that at any given time. Right. Like you pull up your app and you look at your Coinbase funds, but we should also be able to know that those are actually there. They're not just IOUs. Mm -hmm. So how do we do that? Well, there's some technology that's being implemented and these companies are now more motivated because there's a lot of money outflowing and where do they make their money on exchange right. trades? So if people don't have their money in there, they're not trading it and Coinbase, Kraken, Binance, they're not making money. Right. So they, the onus is on them to prove that they're trustworthy. So I think this is going to accelerate that process. And that's the proof of reserves is this cave idea. And the ZK snarks is the removing that third party, which would be Jenny, or, Jenny Jane. or Jane. Yeah. So how right. can we prove that Johnny went through, knows that information and gets out the other side without having to watch to make sure he's not trying to do something shady? And there are some exchanges that are like, or what's it, Grayscale? Grayscale said, no, we're not going to do proof of reserves. It's it's a security issue, which to me is a red flag. And Grayscale, once again, is the stock market uh, trading crypto on the stock market. Grayscale is the, offering their- Yeah, they're one yeah. of the biggest, I would say, hedge funds, correct? Yeah. Of crypto? Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. This is a bad situation, but like we said, I think some good can come out of it. Well, and it's the solution is math. The solution the is solution ones is and zeros. Math. Yep. Yep. And we can prove it with ones and zeros as opposed to listening to uh, Samuel Bankman Fried type, who, by the way, we forgot to mention that uh, they had in 2021, FTX had over $400 million worth of funding, and SBF pocketed 300 of that. 400 million. So awesome. this guy is what a guy. Like way worse than we thought. Yep. Like I hope I hope he gets his comeuppance. Yeah, I hope so too. But of course we'll keep you updated on that. Finally some good news. We've got the the bad, the risk management and some good news. So Ripple is has a new partnership. Ripple has a new partnership and they just came out and said that um final arguments in their trial uh, could take about two to six months to reach a decision. So we're looking down a short barrel here of about half a year at most to get a decision as to are they going to win this this lawsuit? Are they going to be able to categorize themselves as not a security? Right. And they're they're making moves. That's the thing is they're they're not waiting for this trial to be complete. They just partnered with MFS. Africa, which is basically their payment, their digital payment um, structure that is similar to MoneyGram, similar to you know, the sending payments, cross borderless, all this, you know, fast transactions. It serves over 300 million people in Africa, which is already underserved. And so now digital financial banking system that is fast and cheap and settles quickly Ripple is now has access in Africa to 300 million accounts to be able to help people, um, which is incredible because there's about 1.4 billion people. So a third of them are going to have access to financial services. 
And I'm sure that'll keep growing. The other thing too is they have huge partnerships already. They got AMX, MoneyGram, PNC Bank, Bank of Australia. So they're making moves, they're making waves. And I'm I'm optimistic they're gonna win this trial. I, I, I think they have a good shot. I think, you know, with, with all these partnerships, the idea of having the ability to send payments quickly for little bit of money and beforehand, if you were going to send payments, you know, through MoneyGram, through Western Union, you're paying a high fee. You're paying probably upwards of 10%. Like, let's say you're an immigrant and you're trying to send money home to your, your home country, right? And you're paying out of a hundred dollars, maybe you're getting $89 to your family, right? Whereas with this, this is probably fractions of a penny to make those that same transaction. It's faster. I mean, Western Union, I think, takes upwards of a week to get money to where it needs to go. This is, you know, settled immediately. Now that's also a component of the of RippleNet of them making this liquidity access so it doesn't have to settle. It usually takes about two to three days for a transaction to actually settle. So usually the person gets paid first before the money gets to the bank that's paying them. That's how the system works now. But with Ripple, they're offering this liquidity so we can have almost instantaneous payments, which is just gonna save the numbers. They're saying 40 to 60% of financial transactions through the bank can be saved by utilizing blockchain. That's huge. I mean, I don't know how much money that is, but it's gotta be billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, well, and it's also less apt to have transaction errors. There's tons of internal errors right. within the banking system. Plus it's transparent. This is just, it's just Well, you got more people that need their piece. You got more people who got to take a percentage in order to get the job done because there's no other alternative. Well, now there is, it's called blockchain and Ripple's at the forefront of this and they're doing it global. So even if they do lose the lawsuit, they still have their feet planted everywhere else in the globe, basically. Yeah, that's fine. They'll just be a security and then they'll be added to probably the the main exchanges. Potentially. Because, yeah, I mean, they, they have too much value to offer. But the, the banks world. are already investing with them. Yep. They're saying, hey, we want to use your service yep. because it is fast and it's borderless. And, and it's better than Zelle. And yeah, I mean, yeah. you are you don't have to rely on the bank. The bank is doing what it's supposed to do is, is offering liquidity to these transactions. And Ripple is saying, well, we're going to make it even faster. Instead one, of it being two to three days, we're going to make it instantaneous. One business days and holidays don't matter. Right. So weekends are, are fair game. Christmas is fair game. You don't have to wait for the bank to open up. Exactly. So that's some good news in light of all of the recent craziness with FTX. So thanks for tuning in. That's the roundup. All right, let's take a look at those charts. All right, let's take a look at Bitcoin. Right now we're sitting at 16,700. We are still in a bear flag formation at the moment. 16K does need to hold or that bear flag will break out. And if we take it from the top of the bear flag at 21,000 down to 16,000, that's a $5,000 difference. 16,000 minus 5,000 is 11,000. Between 10 and 11 could be expected if we do break out of this bear flag. That also coincides with our 85% correction, similar to the last two cycles, and that could signify our bottom is in. Time will tell. Let's take a look at total market cap. You can see we are hovering around that 750 billion 
trying to maintain that bottom. But if it does fail, then 500 would be likely, followed by 400 for a potential bottom. Not ideal, but if Bitcoin crashes, everything else crashes. In the meantime, let's take a look at our dollar cost averaging. Decentraland, MANA, it is at 40 cents right now, peaked over $5.50, trying to find that bottom, slightly below at the moment, more room to go up than down. Take a look at Decentraland or MANA. Next, Synthetics token. Synthetics, same thing, has completely retraced, slightly below the previous bottom. Good opportunity at $1.74. And finally, Axie Infinity, same thing. Trying to find that bottom, close to the previous bottom, more room to move up than down, potentially a good buying opportunity. That's it for the charts, gang. We are the Bit Bros. Remember, we are not licensed financial advisors. All content is intended for educational purposes only. Please do your own research and only risk what you're willing to lose. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your support. Please remember to like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, and you can listen to us wherever you find podcasts. We'll see you next week.